Greetings, everyone. Michael Rosso here, Film Photography Podcast. On this special episode, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Owen McCafferty in our first podcast slash videocast. This podcast is also available as a video on the FPP YouTube channel, Film Photography Tube. Today we're tackling how to expose movie film in your vintage camera. And the great thing about the information you're going to hear in our conversation is that the info is universal to every film camera that you're shooting, whether it's your 35mm SLR, 120 camera, large format camera, the logistics are all the same. You need to set your aperture, your f-stop, you need to be aware of what your shutter speed is, and you need to know the ISO, also known as ASA, the ISO of your film. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking about mostly double eight, or also known as regular eight movie film. But once again, it also applies to whether you're shooting super eight or 16 millimeter. The types of movie camera, fully automatic, semi-automatic, or fully manual. Know the basics, info about a light meter that's built into your camera, whether it's a selenium, old-fashioned light meter, or CDS meter, using neutral density filters, and where can you get film. That's all on today's podcast. Also, you'll find detailed notes on the filmphotographyproject.com. Click the podcast button and go to Film Photography Podcast, episode 250, May 1st, 2020, to see the notes on this episode. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. everybody welcome to the film photography podcast the podcast about film and this show what show uh we're, we're gonna be talking we're gonna be talking about movie film and what i love about the film photography project is that many shows and topics really happen organically things kind of just fall in our lap and i then i say to myself or say to owen or say to leslie or matt or mark or anyone Hey, let's do a show about this because a lot of people are asking the same questions over and over. And today's show is about movie film, somewhat specifically about double eight film, because the Film Photography Project recently um, initiated a whole double eight support system, making new film and uh, making uh, development available, scanning available. And, of course, the big proponent for Double Eight Film has been, well, you, Owen. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> and I think you were most excited, excited about Double uh, Eight Film coming out in Ektachrome. Yes, uh, because, you know, when Ektachrome went away a, a couple of years ago, or, or more than a couple of years ago now, um, that was sort of the end of color reversal 
at least Kodak products color reversal uh, in in regular eight, and so I kind of switched to um, black and white reversal because I'm somebody who likes to project my film. Um, so I, I'm super excited that the FPP is leading the initiative to get Ektachrome uh, on regular eight because it's such a great format for uh, for that film specifically. Be- yeah, because it's just so it's just so gorgeous. It's such a gorgeous looking film. And folks watching, the go-to home movie format, amateur format, short film format, uh, is and has been Super 8 film. It's a very popular format. The FPP also supports Super 8 film. Uh, But a lot of people have been finding these double 8 cameras uh, that belong to their father, grandfather, great-grandfather. And the emails are, are really... A few a day, sometimes some yeah. few a few times a week, of people sending me an email saying, "Hey, I found this camera. Can you recommend film for it?" Now that double eight film is readily available for uh, people's home movie cameras, the next step in the evolution is I, I would like, and I know you would like, people to shoot it uh, at the proper exposure so that when they're finished shooting, they get a satisfying experience of getting their movies back yeah comparatively with you know with super 8 which was is a cartridge that is notched there's literally a notch in the plastic of the cartridge and when it slips into the camera it tells the camera exactly how to expose the film and that was the attraction of super 8 when it came out you didn't have to do anything you slip the cartridge in you press the button and that's it a lot of regular eight cameras, well, all regular eight cameras don't really work that way. There is some kind of adjustment the user needs to do uh, to to make sure the camera's set for the right exposure. And um, some people just aren't aware of that. And all the cameras right. are different. And I know today we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the difference in in some cameras and how you set the exposure and what cameras can deal with what film speeds and all that good stuff. Right. I guess we could break it into two, very simply into two categories. A completely manual camera, mm-hmm. and where where someone has to use a light meter to figure out what turn the f stop on right. your lens to to expose your film properly, mm-hmm. and completely automatic cameras, which um, I guess came out where in the nineteen fifties. Yeah, you know, I was doing some research on when f- fully automatic, meaning the camera basically opens and shuts the the aperture for you and and determines the um, the exposure through through a meter. And Bell and Howell, um, one of the most famous camera motion picture camera companies in the world at the time, touted that they came up with the very first fully automatic movie camera. It was actually the two hundred EE. That's this camera here. It's a magazine oh, camera. And they claim that this was the first fully automatic movie camera. I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you it's the oldest automatic movie camera that I have. And there were some variations. I would actually say that there were three categories. There was fully automatic, fully manual, and then semi-automatic. And semi-automatic just means that the camera has a meter built in, um, but the meter doesn't actually change the aperture. It It's basically just kind of like a handheld meter that was stuck onto the camera. It gives you a reading, and then you manually adjust your your aperture. And then, of course, some fully automatic movie cameras do have the ability, both in regular 8 and Super 8, for you to manually override the meter and change the the aperture yourself. 
I take I I just take it for granted that I've been shooting movies my whole life. You know, and I'm I get out my I, I get out my fancy Goss and Luna Pro meter, no sweat. Hey, right. what's what's the F stop? But folks shooting today, I need to put myself back to where I was when I first picked up my dad's camera. In nineteen seventy eight. 1981. Okay, all right. But I was fortunate enough that my dad owned a Bell & Howell Super 8 camera, and all I had to do was pop the cartridge in. Right. And I didn't think about anything. Yeah. And I think, for the most part, looking at the number of people that are using Film Photography Project Motion Picture Services... Except for the few who are shooting student films, mm-hmm. most people just want to. They just want to pop the film in, and yeah. in the case of the regular eight, they want to pop the film in. Sure. So, um, I w- I would like to talk about the automatic cameras because so many e- emails are coming in regarding these. But let's talk about the simple formula. If someone's picking up a, a Bell and Howell one thirty four camera mm-hmm. or a Revere 8 Model 88, which seemed to be a super popular yeah. model because it seems there are millions of them out mm-hmm. there. You have your camera and you have your lens, and on your, your lens is F-stops to set. Right. So I send emails, very comprehensive, comprehensive emails to people, but that doesn't mean that the emails I'm sending is being comprehended. Sure. Because it is... I mean, I just think back to when I actually had to learn manually. I mean, it takes a little. It takes a little, right? It does. I mean, you, you, you I would say if you use a manual, regular film, you know, still, still photography camera, thirty-five millimeter SLR, you already know the basics um, for photography, which is you know the the shutter speed and the aperture and the film speed. It's the same concept with with movie film. Um, you know, each each frame per second, which is how many frames are going th- through the camera every second, that translates to a shutter speed. Uh, right. in, in regular rate, I think it's one thirty fifth um, of a second. And then, of course, you have an aperture opening, so you set your meter for one thirty fifth of a second. Um, you set your film speed, your ISO, and you get uh, um, you know uh, an aperture, and that's it. It's it's no different than your regular still photography, you know, SLR or whatever you're using. Um, but right. for people who maybe don't do that, um, yeah, I think you, you do need to know those basic concepts. But it's it's super simple. Even a fully manual, regular 8mm camera, 16mm camera, it's super simple. Generally speaking, I noticed that maybe three-quarters of them have no frames per second adjustment on them. Uh, for example, the, um, the Revere 888, mm-hmm. it's... it's doesn't say anything. I had to research it. I actually bought the manual, which I highly recommend if people Absolutely. try to find the manual yeah. online. Um, but I found that at 16 frames per second, which mm-hmm. is the native frames per second for double eight, right. that your shutter speed is 130th of a second. 130th, so okay. People may say, well, why is that important? Well, in order to know what, uh, the f-stop is the aperture on the lens, you know, right. the little opens and closes. Yep. You need to um, use 
some type of, of um, way to meter your light. And I always recommend that people download for free light meter app on their phone. Works great. Do you, do you use that? I do. I usually use it to when I'm nervous that my Gosselinum Pro is is not giving me the right meter because I'm paranoid. Um, right. So I, I a lot of times I will double check it and it does. It works great. So if you have a meter, whether it's a handheld meter or the light meter app, mm-hmm. you dial the shutter speed one thirtieth of a second into the meter. Right. As, along with the ISO, also known on the side of old cameras, ASA. Right. Yep. The ASA of the of the film, the ISO ASA is telling you know, that's a guide of how light sensitive the film is. Exactly. The higher the number, the more light sensitive. So uh, up until just last year, the only double A film that was available was the FOMA R100, which was 100 ISO, which in my opinion is a little fast. It is for some of these older cameras. So. It was a struggle. I found it to be a struggle mm-hmm. that if you're shooting in broad daylight and you, you're you're shooting at 16 frames per second and have no choice, that your shutter speed is 1 30th of a second, that 100 speed ASA ISO film was a little fast. And I just told everyone to just turn your, your All the way close. F, yeah. F22 or F16 right. and shoot. Um but by putting this information in your light meter, it will give you the the f-stop. Yep. Um, now, there's a lot of information on the web, and I really encourage people to to use that Google because you'll find all sorts of articles. And all, everything we're talking about is so basic that it applies to still photography, motion picture photography, and you really just know need to know the key things. What's the shutter speed of the camera? What's the speed of the film, the ISO, ASA? And what f-stop openings do you have? Exactly. Um, if you search uh, neutral density, neutral density is basically um, a filter mm-hmm. that cuts down the imi- amount of light going into the camera. And those are very helpful when you need to cut down the amount of light. And you could hold that over your camera lens, mm-hmm. which which I do. Um, and some so, um, some old camera manufacturers did make specific ND filters for the camera. So look on eBay, um, just search by the millimeter of the lens and you should find it. And by the way, I've had people ask me whether or not you can use ND filters with black and white movie film or color film. And the answer is yes, you can use them with both. It it doesn't matter. It will work beautifully with color film. It'll work beautifully with black and white. Right. Uh, You can send email to us, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh, we, we do look for feedback. Feedback is, is, is really awesome. I'd love to hear from you folks, whether you're sending an email or commenting here on YouTube, because we really want to get people up to speed with their, their home movie cameras. Just this morning, before we started recording, another email came in, an email came in, which was like almost the same question. Hot topic. Hot topic. topic. Uh, and the question was... Yeah, this is from uh, Parker in St. Paul, Minnesota, and he said, Hey, I'm thinking about ordering film for this vintage movie camera I have. It's a Keystone K12. Uh, Parker was kind enough to send like a little advert that, that I guess he has the booklet, so he sent a picture. Nice. So he's saying, would double eight, Cine 8, 100 ISO be the best film for this camera? 
Well, it's a great question because it's the most readily available film mm-hmm. in our shop because our 50 ISO color and our 50 ISO black and white sells out as soon as we put it up it's in the crazy. shop. It's crazy. Everybody loves it. It is. So I looked at the camera. He sent me some pictures of the camera as well. My sure. first question to him was, is there a dial on the side of the camera that has numbers on it mm-hmm. like 10, 25, um, 40? Right. Because in looking at the brochure he sent over, I said, aha, this is a automatic camera and it's designed to just load the film set the ISO, and shoot and have fun. Right. But the dilemma has been, and we're trying to fix this by offering more films, Mm -hmm. is that the current, the readily available ISO 100 film, a camera like this and so many others, there isn't an option to dial 100 ISO on the camera. Exactly. Which means that uh, you would what? You would uh, overexpose your film. Absolutely, you would. And, you know, there, there are two solutions to that. You can use, you could try to find a film that is 50 ASA. Most of these cameras that are fully automatic from that era go from like 8 to 40, uh, 8 ASA or 8 ISO to 40 ISO. Um, Because at, at the time, the fastest film on the market for consumers, movie film, was Kodachrome. Uh, and that was 40. And we don't really have any mo- regular movie films that are under 40 at the moment, although maybe in the future we might. Uh, I think definitely in the future we might, but right now we don't. So fifty. if you shot 50 ASA in your camera set at 40, you'd probably be fine. Yeah. And then, of course, if you're using an ND filter, and like Mike said, if you hold it up to your camera, I I don't have a a large ND gel with me, but if you hold it up to your camera, you take the factor of the ND. So so ND is either usually 4, 2, or 8, you take your ISO, and then you times that ISO number by the ND factor, and that'll lower your ASA. So if you had an ASA 100 and you were using an ND4 filter, that would take your camera setting down to ASA 25. So now all of a sudden, you can use your fully automatic camera set at ASA 25 and expose it perfectly. But I think for some people, that's getting really complicated and technical and too much for some people, that's just too uh, much. It, it 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 isn't. It is and it isn't. Let's put it this way: there are things that I've shot in the past, my whole life, where you see how to do it and you just do it, mm-hmm. and you kind of just mimic, maybe not even understanding the technical. So, um, and I think this is very important because as as double eight ectochrome film becomes more readily available. I mean, that's the people, that's the film people are going to want to shoot on vacation. Absolutely. To take, you know, I mean, summertime. They may want to, yeah, summertime, project it uh, in your projector. Um, so when you mentioned about the ND filter, mm-hmm. that filter would actually have to, I mean, some of these older cameras, like the one you were holding up, has like the massive, uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, this is the, this is the actual. Um, selenium cell. This is the meter, and and that's an important topic. I don't know if you want to get into that right now, but that's an well, important topic. Th- the difference between meters and and in old cameras. Well, that's important because you'd have to put the ND over that, not over your lens. Um, well, it, over that, over that, over that light sensitive 
what did you call it? the selenium the selenium sensor? Cell. It it depends on how how you want to do it. If you 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 can you can absolutely just put it over your meter. A lot of old movie cameras have have you know the lens, and then they have a separate almost a separate lens for the for the meter. And you right. can do that, but if you don't want to do that, all you have to what you can do is again do the math um, to to figure out if when I put that ND filter on my lens, how how am I adjusting my ASA? So for example, like I said, if you're using ND four and 100 speed film, that's going to jump your ASA setting down to 25, and and I think that's the easier setting because if again if your meter is working then all you have to do is set it at a lower ASA and you don't have to worry about it. Um, right. And you know you're getting a perfect exposure. So you could do it either way. You could just put it right over the selenium cell or the, or the uh, CDS cell, or you can put it on the lens and dial the, the adjusted ISO. I think what blows people's minds is the fact that um, unlike shooting with your phone or shooting any digital format, there's no instant gratification of seeing if what you're doing is working right uh, so that's, it, that's is, what makes it exciting it does it does make it exciting and expensive. so it's <laughs> so it's a massive expense yeah and the massive excitement <laughs> of seeing you know uh if it's working or not um and regular rape fil- by the way is a great format to start out because it's one of the most affordable movie film formats right now it is it is and on the subject let's see if this email is any different this gentleman kevin jones has a sears tower electric eye three lens eight millimeter sounds fancy does sound fancy i was i was seeking users user manual or at least help with the late 50s early 60s sears tower eight millimeter i've been enjoying digitizing old footage from my collection he'd just be uh, appreciative if I, i can give him some feedback i guess as to how to use the camera. So this question is identical to Parker's question, which right. is it's the, it's an old Sears tower with a big selenium cell on the top yep. of it. And it's designed for probably maximum 40 ISO film. Probably. And, so, and the problem with selenium, so there are two basic, you know, I won't get super technical, but they're essentially for, for these old cameras, there are two kinds of, of meters. There's a, a selenium cell they usually tend to be really big on the camera. And this is from not exactly this camera, but the same model. This is what a selenium cell looks like. It almost looks like a, a quarter, a half dollar. It's got a coating on one side and it's metallic on the other. And this requires no power source to use. Uh, if you have an old meter, again, that doesn't have a battery, it's the same thing. Uh, Roliflex used uh, selenium cell meters. You don't need a power source. And this. This coating is almost sort of charged and photo or light sensitive. And over time, these these will fail almost always. And if they don't fail, then they start to lose adjustment. And so some of the problem is also that if you get a camera, even if you're using an ND filter, that meter may be off. So the first thing you need to do is if you have a camera with a meter like this you want to use, make sure you're checking it against a handheld meter or your photo app. Uh, because it, it may go bad. I can tell you I've had five or six of these uh, Bell & Howell 200 EEs. They're all bad. Uh, the selenium cells on them are all bad. Every single one of them. And how did you discover that, this, that the cells are bad? Because when I put batteries in it to... Um, because this, although this does take batteries, it doesn't actually power the cell. It actually powers the, the 
aperture ring on the lens. Uh, every time I tried to expose something, it would just it would open it all the way. It would open the aperture all the way. So that told me that that the cell was bad. And unfortunately, there used to be a company in England that would make these for you, and they're they're now defunct. So at the moment, there is no solution to this problem with selenium cells. Right now, the other kinds of uh, uh, meters that you'll find in the camera, like for example, on this Canon Canonet, um, is what's called a CDS cell. And a CDS cell tends to last longer. It tends to be a lot more precise. A camera like this can actually be dialed in from from ASA 10 all the way up to ASA 320. And CDS cells, you you know you have a CDS cell when you have a little battery that you need to put in the camera to actually power the meter. These tend to be a lot more reliable. They tend to be a lot more accurate. So if you have a camera that takes that has a CDS cell, a movie camera that has a CDS cell, takes a separate battery just for the meter, you're probably in good shape. And later, regular eight cameras, this was made in the 60s. I mean, Canon made uh, a couple different models that took um, CDS cells and other manufacturers did. Those are great because you can load those up right now, put your battery in, set your ASA to 100, 400, well, in this case, 320, I should say, and you shoot and the camera does the rest. Um, but again, the difference is whether or not the camera takes a battery for the meter or it doesn't. If it does take a battery right. for the meter, chances are you're in good shape. If it doesn't and it has one of these old selenium cells, make sure you test the meter reading because it may be off. Right, right. And the same advice applies to older Super 8 cameras mm -hmm. uh, that had a separate button cell for the, the, the internal light meter. Exactly. Um, another good topic to discuss that I, I think we see a lot in the film that comes in our, this is a is, is an old Brownie 2.7. It's an 8mm camera. Um, yes. Really similar to the Fun Saver, which I know, Mike, you love. They're tanks. They are. They always work, and they purr like kittens. It's great. Yes. So on, on the... And, and this is true for a lot of the uh, cameras, especially, for example, I think the, the some of the older Bell & Howells and some of the Sears Tower, old Sears Tower cameras have a, a pre-adjusted... Or, or sort of suggested lens openings or apertures based on the conditions that you're filming. So, for example, it says uh, bright sun if you're on sand. Right. Um, if don't believe it. Don't believe it because these were preset. These these sort of guessing, you know, I, I, they would actually call these computers. Believe it or not, this was called a computer. It's not. It's not what we think of a computer, but that's what it was called. These are adjusted for ASA 40 Kodachrome. Or at the most ASA eighty, which would have been um, the black the black and white film that Kodak made. And so, if you are shooting in bright sun and you set your camera for bright sun and you're shooting your Fomapan one hundred or your Ektachrome, it's going to be either it's probably going to be underexposed, um, right? Because it, it or I should say, I'm sorry, it's going to be overexposed because this is yeah. adjusted for at the most ASA 40. So that, I think we see a lot of film come in where it's overexposed or underexposed. And, and you know, I, I would do the same thing. If I didn't know, I would just say, oh, great. The camera says I should, I'm in bright sun, so that's what I should set it at. And then they shoot their film, and it's it's overexposed or underexposed. And I think that's the culprit. We, we send a sheet out with every piece of film that we sell at the FPP with a, a tip guide. And one of those tips 
is to not use the guide on the side of your camera because mm-hmm. it's you know it's a guide for film that no no longer is produced. Right. Um, it's tricky, and I hats off to all of the shooters out there who are picking up these cameras for the first time and shooting them. And I have to tell you, we get a a a a, a fair amount of film here at the FPP for developing and for scanning. And although there, I've seen some disappointments, generally speaking, with the scan and modern technology of the scan, you can salvage quite a bit sure. of, the, of the footage if it's grossly underexposed or even overexposed. Yeah, and I think people, you know, if you've never shot movie film before, and even like the first movie, sh- movie film I shot in 2002, which was on Kodachrome, when you could still get it and develop it, uh, it looks like garbage. I mean, I just, it's shaky. I didn't know what I was doing, but... Well, that's another topic. That is another topic. But I I watched that. I projected it. I was 11 years old, and I was blown away. And it was that was it. I was hooked. Um, so I think a lot of people, even if they maybe don't get the perfect results, they're still amazed by, like, the magic of it and the feel of yeah. it and the excitement of getting the role back. Uh, and I think that... that that makes people and encourages people to just keep trying and, and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that this, this show, what show, what show? <laughs> I'm hoping that this show specifically about movie film, uh, is of interest to people. Please leave comments below and the comments, if you have questions or comments that will kind of, uh, uh, inspire us to do another show based upon, the Absolutely. comments that you leave below. Hey, many thanks to the folks at Super8.tv. Did you see that swanky article? Oh, my gosh. So cool. So cool. I'm a l- little scared at the amount of emails I'm going to receive from Europe <laughs> asking about double eight ectochrome. Hey, we'll, sh- we'll ship it most places, right? Yes. Well, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, we'll put the link below. Uh, Super8.tv did a nice article about what we're doing here at the Film Photography Project to bring movie film back. We haven't talked a lot about Super 8, but that's fine. There's a lot of resources for Super 8. There's Pro 8 Millimeter on the west coast yep. of the U.S. Um, I mean, that is the hot the hot uh, format. As folks who have been listening to this show know, <laughs> we tend to go back to, like, you know, still film, 620 film. Mm-hmm. Uh, 616, 116 adapters so you could shoot your old Kodak folding cameras. Uh, double eight bringing that back, and then of course, uh, which is gaining in popularity in the FPP online store, people purchasing double perforated 16 millimeter Gotta film. Gotta have it because uh, some of their old filmos and hand cranked 16 millimeter cameras uh, do not take the modern single perf film. So there's a lot of movie excitement going on, and I'm excited about it because I think, I really think that this is just the beginning, and that oh, in a few years from now we're going to be talking about or having shows specifically about the FPP Film Festival, right? Where we'll be showing films that you shot, right? Absolutely, you, you know, and that could get a lot of fun around Halloween. And there, and there are, I mean. Um, there are so many things that, that Mike and I are working on in terms of different kinds of film formats. I mean, it's a const- there's constant projects on how to get more 
film more formats out there for everybody to use and uh it's it, it's going to be a super exciting year for movie film yes it is and then yes, and then is. after that uh we're gonna tackle 126 right oh boy that's a whole nother topic one day uh, Yes, it's it's really a matter of researching and finding. It's really finding the gear yeah. to make the film happen, and I'm very confident it's going to happen. I'm shocked it hasn't happened. I, I really am. Film I'm Ferrania, I think, is our last hope. F- film for oh, Film Ferrania in Italy. They are my hope for everything. <laughs> <laughs> they are, and you know i ha- i always say hey i'm going to jump on a plane and go see uh, nicola hey you got people over there right you got people <laughs> you got people yeah i got people over there uh folks you could write to us podcast at filmphotographyproject.com just just you know send us a note uh or leave a comment below uh please subscribe to our channel we're on the instagram film photography project we're on the facebook all these places Absolutely, and and can I can I also give a shout out to my friend, uh, my little buddy John Fidelli? Oh, yes. just want to make sure that you know he knows I say hello. That it, I, it would be much funnier if he actually watched these, but I will I will see him later today. I will relay absolutely your comments. Uh, okay, folks, we're gonna see you super soon. Thanks, guys. Take care.